Knowing that God has our best interest in mind at all times, why do you think that you have a fear trusting certain areas of your life to his control? After we went through last week, the first segment of the original deception, what are some of the ways that we can begin or that you can begin to resist the original deception in your life? Have you been formulating some ideas in your mind of how you can avoid that through what we've been through so far with this discussion? Well, here in just a little bit, we're going to pick up on the second segment, part two of the original deception of the Great Divide study that we're doing right now. And we're going to get to that right after this. Welcome guys to Connecting the Gap once again. We're getting into the middle to the end of June in 2021. It's hard to believe. Hope you guys have had a great year and a great summer so far. Hope you've been enjoying yourself and hopefully you've been enjoying the podcast I've been doing each week for Connecting the Gap. You can go to my website at connectingthegap.net and you can check out all my podcasts all my materials are there and I've got a YouTube channel and a blog that I do each week as well. And so you can check all of that out. There's just tons of stuff there. You can binge on for several days if you would like. Um, you don't have to if you don't want to, but um, I would appreciate it though if you would go check that out and just share that out on you know, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, whatever your social media is that you use and help get the word out there as we endeavor together to uh, reach others for Christ and try to help them to live a better walk with Him as we connect that gap that a lot of us have sometimes between the unknown of who Satan wants us to be and what God wants us to be. And we all obviously should want to be more on God's side of, of this whole thing, obviously. And uh, so we just try to each week to put out some, some study that we can all go through and draw closer to God and everything that we do. So we're going to go ahead and, and get right into this for this week. Last week we started a section of the study that we've been doing, The Great Divide, on how to get our lives from average to an extraordinary relationship with Christ. And the section we started right now is called The Original Deception. We were talking about how Adam and Eve in the garden, how Satan manipulated her to take part of that tree that she was not supposed to take part of and then shared it with Adam. And in the midst of all of that, that instigated the sin that we now have in the human race. And what's so crazy about that is after all those years, you would think that we learned lessons from that. Well, in all reality, Satan still uses that same technique to get to us today that he used whenever Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden. So it kind of shows how we don't learn our lessons very well sometimes. Um, but it's just part of our, our human nature, unfortunately. And so we're kind of going through this section here to kind of understand how we can uh, battle against what Satan tries to do to us with that deception and to win that battle. And so we came up last week about, uh, as we wrapped up, we were talking about the original deception and how it's so effective. And the way that it's so effective on our life is it cuts to the heart of what allows us to surrender. And the way that we usually surrender to God, the whole way that that whole thing works and why we finally get to that point where we decide we're going to give it all to Him, that's done because of the way that we view God and His instructions, the way that we look at how He runs our life and, and 
you know, lays out his plan for us in his word. And if we decide we're going to follow that or not, when we have a wrong view of God, we're powerless to resist sin because we lack the most necessary element for surrender, which is trust. If we don't trust somebody, we're not going to surrender to them and allow them to help us through things and allow them to set a plan for our life. So God can't be effective in us if we don't have a trust in him. So trust is the key, and that's where we're going to start at this week as we get into part two of this section called uh, The Great Deception. When we trust God, we can walk in faith. And of course, the Bible tells us that our whole being of our relationship of our, that we have with God is built on faith. We know that the faith is evidence of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We have a faith that God is there. We know that he lives inside of us and leads and guides us, but yet we don't see him. So this whole relationship and this whole concept of Christianity is built on faith. So in order for us to have faith in God, we therefore have to have a trust in him and believe that he's going to do what he says that he's going to do. So what that brings us down to is even if sin looks good to us, we still will trust that God knows and wants what's best for us. And we will choose that path versus the path Satan wants us to go down. We also know that our hearts are easily deceived into wanting things that are not good for us. And you can read Jeremiah 17 verse 9 and, and read about that fact of our lives. So despite the fact that sin may look good in the moment, our trust in God's good intentions creates the faith that we need that is necessary for us to resist sin. That's why 2 Corinthians 5 7 says that we live by faith not by sight. As I talked a while ago, if you have faith in something, usually those are things that aren't seen. You just have a faith that it's there, a faith that it's going to happen, a faith that whatever you're told is going to come to pass. That's how we live this life with Christ. However, in the absence of trust in God, our faith is weakened. So we try to use our own logic or our sight to figure out what to do at that point. Well, this will always lead to our destruction, which is exactly why the Bible specifically tells us not to do it. God tells us to rely on Him. He tells us to rely on His Word. We're not supposed to just bullhead our way through life and do what we want to do. We have to get that selfish part of us. We have to lay that down and allow God to come inside of us and lead us in the way that He wants to in order that we're successful in our walk with Him. As Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 reminds us, we should not lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways we should allow God to direct our path. It specifically told us in the, the wise words of Solomon that we need to allow God to lead and guide us in everything that we do. So if we go back to the story of Eve in Genesis, the beginning of time, we can see this process play out in this story with her, Satan, and Adam. As long as Eve is standing in faith, through her trust in God, she's fine. She has no issue with anything that's going on in her life at that moment. When Satan tries to get her to eat the fruit for the first time, she simply tells the devil, God said that we shouldn't do it. But pay close attention to what happens after she tells Satan this. As soon as Satan gets Eve to question whether God had lovingly given his instruction for her protection, her trust is shaken. Without her trust in God's character, her faith in his instructions at that point begin to slip away. There's a change in her spirit at that point. There's a junction that she comes up to where she has to decide, am I going to let my trust in God and true my belief in him, am I going to let that overrule 
what Satan's trying to deceive me with and make me real feel like that I'm not getting everything I deserve. She has to make this choice at this point. Without her faith in God's instruction, she starts to rely on her own logic at that point. She starts following her own sight and she gets out of faith mode to figure out what to do next. Well, since the fruit is pleasing to the eyes, as the Bible specifically states that it was, Eve's own understanding suggests that the fruit is too good to pass up. And so when she wraps her mind around that at that point, has that thought process going on, and she puts the trust in God to the side and decides to try her own thing, she takes that bite. That bite that will change eternity for everybody. We all know how well that worked out for her. We are still paying the consequences of that sin to this day. Because of what she did and then she talked Adam into doing, when they both made that choice and decided they were going to do what they did, it was a domino effect. From that point on, every person in history has reaped what happened on that day when Eve took that bite from that fruit. This is how sin entered the world for the first time. As we talked about last week, the garden was a perfect place. God created a perfect environment for Adam and Eve to live in with no worries of anything. He took care of it all. And this is how that enters our life today. The same exact process that worked then works today. Our enemy continues to use the original deception to undermine our trust in God's good intentions for us. He continues to try to deceive us to make us think that God doesn't care and that everything that we do doesn't matter and he tries to get us to go the other direction of where God wants us to be. So our view of God affects every test that we'll go through. How we, de how we determine who God is and how we see him in our daily life will determine the outcomes of the things that we come up against in life when Satan tries to deceive us. So let's look at a real life example. Uh, let's go back to school days. They say when, when you were in school and it's the morning of a big test, you meant to study, but it just did not work out that you were able to get study time in. So now here you are in first period. You're half awake because you stayed up late playing video games with your friends or something. You're staring at a test that may as well be written in another language. You have no idea any of the answers to this test. Just as you're about to start in your own eeny, meeny, miny, mo process with the multiple choice answers, trying to decide which one you want to pick, you notice that one of the smartest people in class is sitting next to you and their test is in plain view. You can see everything that they've marked on their test and you know that they know the answers. You know that cheating is wrong so you ignore the first impulse, but just like Eve, the enemy keeps after you. Why is it such a big deal to cheat? It's not like you cheat all the time. Besides, if you fail this test, your grades will probably never recover. If you fail the class, you're going to have to take summer school to make it up. In the long run, those consequences would be much worse than anything you might face from cheating. Besides, you don't need to copy the whole test, just copy enough just to pass the test. What other choice do you have? Just pick a few. Make it look like you tried, but you just didn't know the rest of them, but as long as you get enough to get, get your C or D or whatever it takes to pass it, that's all that really matters. So you kind of see how he starts working on you at that point, trying to get you to, to follow this path that you're not supposed to follow. Well, if you're convinced that God has given you every commandment out of his great love for you, and that these commandments will always lead to life, then regardless of how logical it may look to sin, you're going to trust that following God's instructions will always be best for you. So at that point, you will dismiss that temptation, do the best you can on the test, and make sure that you study the next time. You'll just take the consequences and be the better person at that point. However, 
if you're not convinced that God's given you every commandment out of his great love for you, you will face great conflict. You will want to do what you believe is right, but the longer you lean on your own understanding and entertain the logic that the enemy gives you, the more likely it is that you will become convinced that yes, cheating is the best option. I don't want summer school. I don't want to get a bad grade on this test. I want to get through this and not have to deal with it ever again. And so when you start logic and, you know, making logical assumptions in your mind like that and start weighing those balances, you have to determine at that point who's going to win on which side of that scale. As original deception tightens its grip on you, your frustration of the moral dilemma that you are in often gets turned towards God. And this is kind of the end result that Satan tries to go for. Why has God asked you to make a decision that you now believe will lead to your harm? You have long forgotten the fact that you are in the situation because you chose not to study, not because God's instructions are somehow flawed. With your trust in God's good intentions undermined, you take matters into your own hands and decide for yourself what is best for you, and so you fail and you cheat. So Satan's whole process in this is to first of all get us to doubt God's instructions. He wants us to think in our own minds, aren't we smart enough to make those choices? Aren't we good enough to make those decisions on our own? Why should we have to rely on God to give us the direction in our life? Then, as we start thinking more into that and we kind of get that twisted thought process in our mind of how, you know, that doesn't look like that big of a deal, you know, why can't I just do that? Then that turns as an, as an anger towards God. God, what are you trying to do to me? You know, why, why are you always trying to mess up fun stuff for me? Why are you always trying to do things in my life that I want to do and change them around and, and expect me to do what you want to do? And we forget the whole time that the mess that we're already in, we got ourselves into, had nothing to do with God whatsoever. We put ourselves in that position to allow Satan to sit on our shoulder and whisper in our ear and try to get us to do what he wants us to do. Had nothing to do with God, but yet Satan's ploy in this whole thing is to get us to turn our anger towards God and blame him. Because then that takes our faith away and we no longer have that trust in God that we originally had. So now you may be thinking as we came through this example... I know cheating is wrong, but in that particular situation, if I had to choose between summer school and a little cheating one time, it would probably be better to just go ahead and cheat. This is a perfect example of why we must never lean on our own understanding. This is why we should never think through these things on our own. We always need to go back to the Word. And I've been guilty of this just as much as anybody. I've cheated on tests. I cheated to make sure that I passed and didn't have to go back and do them again. So I know exactly what this is talking about. It was not the right thing to do. Because now I look back at it and with the walk I have with Christ, I regret what I'd done. I had to ask forgiveness for that. And I could have been so much further in my walk with God if I had not had those moments where I failed and did what it was that Satan wanted me to do versus what God wanted me to do. Most of the time we can't see down the road far enough to know what kind of consequences that these kinds of sins are going to cause. Not just in this one situation, but for the rest of your life. You can start a repetitive process in your life where you do things over and over if you're not careful and you, when you allow Satan to manipulate you like that. So let's look at this. Let's say that you cheated, you passed the test, and you never got caught. Nobody figured it out and you were scot-free. Well, if you isolate that one situation, it might, might seem like the sin of cheating was worth it at that point because we know we can ask God forgiveness 
and he is just unable to forgive us of our sins. The problem is that no choice is ever isolated. There's always going to be somewhere down the road a result from that sin that we do. Every decision we make sets up patterns in our lives and conditions us for future actions. So when you do something once and get by with it, guess what? The next time it's probably going to be easier to do that. We all want to believe that we will make the right choice every other time after we sin, but life simply does not work that way. Every decision we make builds momentum either for good or it builds more momentum for evil. When we give in once, it's much easier after that to give in a second time. And if you get through the second time, it's even easier after that. The more that you do things and get by with them, the more likely you are to keep trying to do these repetitive motions in your life. And it creates a snowball effect. And the next thing you know, you're living a life of sin that you cannot get out of. You dig your ditch deeper than you ever thought you would. Many rapists in jail right now will confess one thing. They will confess that everything that they've ever done started with just one little look at pornography. They thought that it wasn't going to be a big deal, it wasn't going to affect anything, but then it, it led completely to a day where they did the ultimate sin of raping someone and they ended up in jail. Many caught in an affair first cheated on something small like a test. In each scenario, I'm sure that the initial sin seemed harmless at the time and they didn't intend for things to progress. But unfortunately, that's how the enemy works. He likes to take the little things that we do and gradually work us up until they become a big thing. And it seems like at that point, sometimes there's no turning back. That's why you have people that commit suicide and all that kind of thing. They get to a point in their life where they feel like they can't do nothing to fix it. That they're doomed and everything's over with. And Satan led them to that point with one little small thing at some point back in their life. I once heard a saying, you guys have probably heard this before yourself, that captures the truth of all of this. And that is that sin takes you further than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, and costs you more than you want to pay. There's probably no statement out there that's more true than that um, at all about sin. This is why it is absolutely crucial that we identify the original deception and deal with it before it leads us down the wrong path. We have to make sure that we stay ahead of the game. Make sure that we stay... Um, focused and that we stay ahead of everything that may Satan may throw at us. When the original deception is present in your life, you will be constantly lured into the battle of trying to weigh each decision between sin and obedience based on the benefits that you think you can logically discern in that moment. You're going to try to weigh those balances and see, okay, if I do this, this will happen. If I do this, this will happen. Which one's better? You'll constantly be fighting that battle. This will consistently, consistently lead to sin because only God can see the full picture and the enemy's arguments will always sound convincing in the moment. Instead, we must prevent this battle altogether. We do this by being fully convinced that God loves us and wants the best for us. Once we are convinced of this, it generates that necessary faith that will enable us to trust Him and to follow Him. As we discussed earlier, if we lose that faith in God and that trust in God, that's when we have a tendency to slip and we start going the opposite direction. His instructions, even when they don't make sense or seem too difficult, we need to make sure that we still follow him even in those moments. Consider the example of cheating on that test. Even though the enemy made a convincing argument to cheat, if we are convinced of God's good intention, we won't even weigh that argument. We won't even consider it. We'll tell Satan, forget you. <laughs> Get behind me. I'm not even gonna do this at all. If our perspective is right from the beginning, we will never get to the point that we are reasoning with Satan. 
Instead, we reject his argument right away because even when we don't understand why God is asking us to do something and we don't know how things will turn out, we choose still to believe in his character and trust that he always knows and wants what's best for us. Whenever we reason with Satan, what we're doing is we're just trying to justify our sins. That's all we're doing. And there is no justifications for sins. We have to ask forgiveness for those if we do them. And so there's no reason to have to justify ourselves with him if we don't even give him the opportunity or the time of day and reason with him during those moments. So, as we go through this, is this you? Have you fallen, do you think, to the original deception? I think we all probably have at some point in our life. Are you holding back certain areas of your life from God because you're afraid of what will happen if you surrender them to Him? Do you feel that obeying God's instruction will be less fun than sinning? Do you sometimes question whether God is just trying to keep you from having a good time? Are there certain areas of your life in which you are convinced that obeying God will not work out for your best? Do you have an area of sin in your life from which, no matter how hard you try, you just can't seem to break free from that? Well, if you said yes to any of those questions, that probably indicates that the original deception lies inside of you. That shows you there's some battles that you need to try to get on your knees and fight and have God help you get past and help you get through those and defeat Satan in your mind and in your spirit and in your everyday activities. Maybe you've seen it play out a few times in your life. Maybe you're seeing it play out many times each and every day. Maybe this is an ongoing battle that you have all day long. Whatever the case is, resist the urge to be discouraged. It's just like the enemy to deceive you into sin and then beat you up with guilt afterwards. Because you know that if you have a walk with God and you fail, you know how we feel after that. We feel so bad about ourselves and we get upset with ourselves and think, why did I do this again? And we don't have any reason to go through that if we will just allow God to continue to lead us and guide us and tell Satan to get away. That way he can't guilt you with anything that you ever do. If you're, if you're starting to see the original deception at work inside of you, then that's a reason to be excited. And the reason for that, as long as something is hidden from you, you can't fix it. However, once God shows you something, you can bring it to the light and begin to deal with it. It's no longer hidden down inside of you. Imagine how much easier life choices will be if you don't have that original deception inside of you. Remember the enemy has no new tricks. If we can learn to overcome the original deception, we'll be on the path to greater obedience to God and the blessings that follow. What Satan does today, he used at the very beginning, and he will continue to use that till the end of time because he knows it's effective. We are way past time, so we're done for this week. Hope you guys have enjoyed this section, and maybe it's opened up some light on maybe some areas in your life that you need to fix or maybe ask God to help you with, some battles that you may have on a daily basis as you go about your life. God is there to help you with that, and He will. All you have to do is call upon Him, get His Word out, and read it. Get on your knees and pray to God to help you with everything, and He will help you get past all of this and defeat Satan in these deceptions that He tries to throw at us each and every day and cause us to fail. Well, I'll be back next week. We will start a new section next week of this discussion and the study on the Great Divide. Uh, we're going to be talking about some principles for success starting next week. Hope you guys have enjoyed this so far. Visit my website, connectingthegap.net. Please share and help others to draw closer to Christ, hopefully through everything that we're doing here. And I greatly appreciate that. And definitely keep me in your prayers. I'm out of here till next week. You guys have a great week. And I will talk to you next week here on Connecting the Gap.